This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Genesis chapter 1, first one, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis is the first book, very easy to find. Go to the very beginning of your Bible, skip through all the pages that are weird and nobody ever looks at, and then you'll get to Genesis 1. One, I'm just going to read it. It says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Oh, that verse is so good. Verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was Light. If you're taking notes uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to title this message, The Chase of Grace. The Chase of Grace. I'm just going to pray. God, thank you so much for your word. God, it's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. God, without your word, we're in the dark. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what's, what's right, what's wrong. God, your word is a lamp to our feet. So God, I pray, Lord, as, we, as I speak this morning, that you would speak through me. And God, get me out of the way. And God, somehow use what I'm speaking and use your word to connect to the hearts of every single person in this room. God, we're not just playing church. We're not playing games. Lives are in the balance. God, there's some people that are going through real stuff. So I pray, God, that you would walk into this place and meet every single person exactly where they are so everybody can leave leave here different because it's by your power. It's not by might. It's by your power in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. So something happened this week uh, that, uh, that was a little alarming and really hurt my heart. Okay, I'm just being honest. Uh, it, it, it hurt me down into my core. And uh, last Thursday, it snowed. <laughs> Didn't know where I was going with that. I'm going to be honest, uh, it actually hurt me. Um, thank you. Okay, I, I, yeah, see, I'm not, I'm not alone, okay? Me and two other people don't like the snow. I heard it said that you can actually tell a Canadian not by their accent, but because of how much they complain about the weather. Um, it's like, we, you know, we chose this. What do you expect? Uh, but, but it snowed, and it, it I don't know, it, it it, it just affected me. It's like, it's October, man. It's the middle of October. Like, are you kidding me? And uh, so, you know, I do what anybody does uh, when, it's, when it's snowing. You get depressed and you get lonely, so you open up Instagram and you look at people's stories, right? Because that always makes you feel better. <laughs> so here I am, you know, I just open up my Instagram and uh, then and Mark Andrews' stories there, which is always a little risky. Uh, so I went ahead and opened that up. And uh, he moved to Florida. He was our drummer. He's amazing. He moved to Florida, and he's, like, walking down the beach. And I'm, like, looking outside, and it actually looks like a full-on February winter storm blowing snow. And I'm like, really? And uh, I, I was, I don't know, it just affected me, and it's still affecting me, as you can tell. Um, because I'm not ready to let go of fall yet. I really like fall, right? Because everything seems to stop after it snows. I mean, you, you can't do the things that you were doing before. It just feels like, okay, I got to get my winter jacket out. Okay, I got to get that thing out of the closet. It's been there all, all year. And like, it's just, it, I don't know. I'm just not ready to get into winter yet. And I was talking to someone this week and they were like, oh yeah, you know, can't wait for it to be warm again. And I'm like, yeah, eight months from now, it'll be warm again. Eight months? 
I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh man, few of you guys agree with me. Most of you are staring at me like I'm crazy, but eight months, man, until it gets warm again. Are you kidding me? This is affecting me, as you can tell. And, and you know, because after winter comes, it's like, okay, then there's Christmas, and then there's, you know, New Year, and then, and then it's like, you know, and you get into, like, all the other holidays, like the Valentine's Day, you know? Valentine's Day. There's, there's Valentine's Day, right? Valentine's Day. Hey, do you guys remember Valentine's Day at school? What a segue this is. You guys didn't even notice. Uh, Valentine's Day at school, right? Remember, uh, I, I remember going to there, and it was like the, the day before Valentine's Day, and you, and you had to get like your shoe box, and you made that little like Valentine's Day box. Am I the only one that did this? And you like, and I turned mine into like this awesome robot with like these like long like accordion arms that you made with construction paper by folding them. You guys know what I mean? So, <laughs> so uh, Valentine's Day, right? And and uh, and I remember going to school, and 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 I would go to to Zellers because that's where I got my Valentines, right? And my mom would buy them for me, and and you go to Zellers, you get your Valentines, but you had to buy the cool ones, right? Because some of those Valentines are like they're deep. And I'm like in grade four, telling someone I'm gonna love them forever. Like, oh, are you kidding me? I'm, not, I'm in grade four. Like, I'm not. What is this? So I'm trying to find ones that are cool, you know, like ones that like like Transformers ones or like Batman ones, and I'm just trying to get like the cool ones, you know. And I remember going there, and you write them, you put like a candy on them, and you walk around the classroom, and you put them in people's box in like the Valentine's Day boxes that everybody made, and it was like this fun event. And I remember when I got home. I remember hoarding all my, all my Valentines together because I was like, you know, if, if there's something weird in there, like, you know, somebody has a crush on me or something, like, I don't want, I do not want my brothers to know, okay? I have an older brother and a younger brother. Would have been bad news. So I would hoard them all and I would, like, go through them secretly, you know, like, take all the candies off them, put them in my pocket, go through them secretly. And I remember this one time, there was one in there that actually said, you know, from your secret admirer. I'm like, and your reaction was what everybody's normal reaction was, but for me, it scared me. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, there's a secret admirer out there. I don't know who they are. I don't know what they look like. And my biggest fear was this, like, public confrontation that they would be like, hey, I'm your secret admirer, you know? Like, that was my biggest fear going to school. Like, I did not want this person to know th that I knew, you know? So I just pretended I never knew. But deep down, like, in my mind, I would go to school and I'd be like, I, I really hope I don't run into this person. What if it's somebody I don't like? Or worse, what if it's somebody I like? What am I going to do then? And I, and I had this, like, internal struggle in this battle. Like, what if they show up here? And what if they start coming around and they show up at my house? And, and I had this, like, this real issue with it, right? Because I realized that love unreciprocated is actually stalking. Um, and so I didn't want to be, I don't want to be stalked, okay? And, and as I was preparing this message this week, uh, I was reminded that grace has been stalking me. Grace has been stalking you. And, but you didn't even know God was looking at you, and here he is, your secret admirer. You might try and run. You might try and hide. The Bible says that you can make your bed in hell, and he's there. 
God is so good. He's been chasing some of you down. And it's a chase of grace that started at the beginning of time in Genesis 1-1 when God created the heavens and the earth. And he looked at the earth. And the Bible describes it as without form, which means incomplete. Describes it as void, which means abandoned and emptied. Describes it as filled with darkness. And then the middle of verse 2, it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over. There's always an and God. If there's a darkness, there's always an and God. And God's hovering over the darkness, ready to intervene at any given moment. And I read this and I realized that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is actually attracted to those things in your life that are void, empty, incomplete, dark, hurt, feel terrible, embarrassing. I, I, I don't know if I can make it. That's the Spirit of God hovering over those things saying, I love you too much to leave you here. You really need to to let me in there. I need to shine some light into that place. That's the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of God. And it took place at the very beginning. It was there first. Then God said, let there be light. You know what I realized about light when we turn the lights on in here? There's no battle between light and dark. There's no battle. It's not like the darkness is like trying to, you know, get rid of the light. You know, it's, you never say, like, you never say, oh, it's too, br- it's too dark in here. That light's not going to work. Now, the, 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 the light not, might not be strong enough to fill the whole room, but everywhere around that light, there's no darkness there because there's no battle. Light just overcomes darkness. It's just natural. And so from the beginning of time, what God was trying to say is there's no battle. You let the light in, the darkness has to leave. There's not like, I always think of watching these movies growing up, like Star Wars movies, light side, dark side, and like, you know, who's more powerful. And, and I would always try and relate this to Christianity, you know, like uh, the, the, the uh, hell and, and the devil and the demons, like they're, they're like just as strong as God, right? Unless I have enough faith to squash them, right? That's what I would think when I was a kid. Until I realized that there's no fighting. There, there's, there's no effort. It's more like, you ever have a, a mosquito that keeps following you around in the summer? And you're like annoyed by it and you finally like get it and you're like, get out of here. That's what God does to the devil. He's so big. He's so powerful. The devil is nothing. I heard a preacher one time say this. If you want to talk to the devil, write a note and put it on the bottom of your shoe. Why? Because he's under your feet. You don't have to talk to him face to face. You can talk to him like this. He's not on your level. Come on. God is so good and the devil is so small and darkness cannot overcome light. Amen. So you're feeling void and empty, you're in the right place today. If you're mad at God, you're in the right place today. If you have questions about who God is, you're in the right place today. You're in the right place. You're in the right place. There's a story in, uh, in John chapter 11, and I'm just going to go there. If you have your Bible, you can turn there as well. Uh, and it's, it's a story, it's one of my favorite stories in all the New Testament and it's the story of Lazarus. And I'm going to go through this story just a little bit uh, this morning, and I'm going to yell some more. I'm sorry. I was telling uh, Kristen before I got up here, I was like, yeah, the, 
God's been whispering things in my ear all week, and I feel like I need to yell it into everybody else's ears. I don't know why. I just got so excited. It's like when I feel like I was, I was talking to Pastor Nancy before the service a little bit. When I, when I know someone's going through a struggle, I, I just, I don't know what it is. I'm just like, I, I clench my fists and I'm like, let's go. Like, I, I, I hate it when people have to go through stuff. And I heard this week of some people that are going through some stuff. And I'm like, let's make the devil pay on Sunday morning. Okay. John chapter 11. Uh... Let's start, I'm not going to read it all the way through, we don't have enough time. So, John chapter 11, story of Lazarus. The story goes that Jesus is, is, is in a different town, not with Lazarus, and, and he's preaching and he's teaching, and I could just see him there, you know, he's just there with his sermon, he's like, you know, there was a coin, and, 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 and there was a lamb, and there was 99 other lambs, and, and you know, the, he left the 99 lambs to go after the one, you know, because he's really like... You know, in the movies when Jesus talks, it's like there's like this like pads in the background. And it's just this beautiful moment. So that's what I picture. Okay, so don't judge me. Uh, so, so Jesus is there teaching, and he gets a tap on the shoulder, and he's like, I'm in the middle of preaching. They're like, oh, yeah, um, Mary and, and Martha sent me, sorry to interrupt. And uh, they told me, what was it? Oh, yeah, Lazarus, uh, the one that you love, is sick. And then uh, Jesus goes, okay, well... That, that, that's horrible. Wait, Lazarus, the one I love? Not the one I don't love? I always thought that was weird that the Bible says that. Anyway, the one that I love is sick? Not the other one? Uh, we'll, we'll tell them this. This sickness is not unto death, but by the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And then he goes, honestly, Jesus, that went way over my head. Uh, honestly, I just came here because you need to come with me because Lazarus is dying, okay? Uh, so I, I don't know what any of that meant, um, but, but you, you, just can't, you just come with me? No, no, no. Tell them that this sickness is not unto death, but by the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Honestly, I still don't understand, uh, but, uh, but if you say so, I'll, I'll go. So he goes back to Mary and Martha. But we don't, we don't really hear about that anymore. Now, this next part of the story really messes with me. Like, it, it, like, my mind, I'm just like, what the heck? So after this, the writer actually goes on to describe that he loved Lazarus. He loved Mary, and he loved Martha. He loved them. And then it says this in verse 6, so... He heard that he was sick. He stayed two more days in the place where he was. Wait a second. They make a point to tell you that, that he loved Lazarus, and he loved Mary, and he loved Martha, but then he stayed where he was? This doesn't make any sense. This is the Jesus you guys were singing about. Like, really? Like, because this makes no sense to me, because I read this and I'm like, okay, how do I apply this to my life? Like, I read the Bible, okay, can I be Jesus in this moment? And the answer is no. Because if Kristen called me and she was like, hey, I need you right now, I'm in trouble, I'm not going to stay where I am, right? Because I love her, I'll do anything for her. But, what, what, but Jesus stayed where he was? Makes no sense to me. So, so then, we hear the word from God, this sickness is not unto death. And then we, we, we hear later on that he looks at his disciples after two days. He says, we have to go now because Lazarus sleeps. 
Okay, sickness is done to death. Lazarus sleeps. Okay, so then the disciples are like, okay, he's sleeping. Like, who cares? He'll get better if he sleeps. My mom always told me, if you're sick, go to bed. You wake up healthy. Like, that's what everybody knows, Jesus. What's, what's the big deal? And then Jesus says to them plainly, this, this verse always messes me up too. In verse 14, he just says, Lazarus is dead. Okay, so you have this sickness is not unto death. Lazarus sleeps. Lazarus is dead. Now, I find it difficult to think Jesus is so cool in this moment, you know? Like, I'm like, how, how can I actually think that God has a plan when what he said seems to never come to pass? How can I trust in Jesus when he promised something, but then it never came out to be true? What do I do when, when, when Jesus is ministering to everybody else, and healing everybody else, but it doesn't seem like he has time for me. Isn't it strange that when you're in need, all of a sudden everybody else's prayers get answered? You're like, hey, what about me, God? What about me? That's what was happening in this, in this story, that Jesus was too busy doing ministry other places because other people needed him, and it seems like he's forgotten about Lazarus. So then he gets into the town of Bethany where Mary and Martha are. And the scene is, is so funny to me because I, I, I'm a visual person, so I picture this, I'm, just, I'm there. And it says that he's, Mary and Martha are in their house and they see Jesus coming. Now Lazarus is already dead. He's already in the tomb. And they see Jesus coming. And Martha, the Bible says, runs to meet Jesus while Mary stays in the house. See, Mary had an attitude. Mary was not happy with Jesus. She's like, go, go, go on, Martha. I'm going to stay here. You want to go see him? I'm not going to see him. He never answered my prayer. So you go ahead. He never answered my prayer. So, so Martha comes out. She, she meets up with Jesus. And I just want to talk you through this dialogue because I think it's so important. It says this. Now, verse 20. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. And now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And that's the question I have for you this morning. Do you believe this? He was asking her, even though it looks like it's over, even though the body is dead, even though the promise looks like it's done, do you believe God can resurrect those things in your mind that you have already buried and put a stone over that you don't even want to talk about anymore? That you felt like God gave you a promise and it didn't come to pass? Do you believe God has the resurrection power for that in your mind? Do you believe this? Do you believe it? I would say it's the biggest struggle in my own life is fighting to consistently believe that God can still come through on his word. We make it so complicated, don't we? It's like uh, if I promised, 
uh, Kristen something, and I was like, hey, uh, you know, this year uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, buy a house by your parents at the golf course, and it's going to be awesome, and uh, I promise that we're going to buy a new car, uh, and I also promise that uh, uh, we'll go out uh, for dinner twice a week. She's thinking, where's all this money coming from? <clears throat> but if I promised it to her, then it's up to me to fulfill the promise. We got this so backwards, it would almost be like Kristen thinking, okay, like, it's been a year and we haven't even looked at houses, we haven't even looked at cars, and we haven't gone out for dinner not once, so maybe I should make it happen. Maybe, like, I'll go, maybe I'll go buy the house, because I don't, I don't want his, his word to, to fail, I don't want him to lie to me, so maybe I will go do it. We do that, don't we? It's like God calls us to do something. God promises us that he's going to do something, and we feel like God's disappeared. He's distant, and so we try and make it happen on our own. And the anointing and the power of God can only come when you allow God to do it in you. You know, your timing is nothing with God. God stands on the outside of time. So when he tells you something, I find this so funny, he tells you something from the end, but he tells it to you at the beginning. So when he tells you you're going to be free and you're going to be healed and you're not, it's not because he's lying or you've done something wrong. He's telling it to you from the perspective at the end and you have to walk through it from the beginning all the way down to the end. We pick up the story then after Martha goes back into their house. Mary is there and like I said, she got an attitude. And I find it funny because the Bible actually doesn't say that Jesus asked for Mary. Martha came back into the house and told Mary that Jesus wanted her. But it doesn't say Jesus said that. I find it so funny. Let's not, you know, get this too complicated. When God gives you revelation and God gives you a fire in your spirit and in your step, you need to go tell somebody. And God might not go right away like, you know, that person in the third grocery aisle wearing the purple sweater. It's more like, no, if God's changed my life, I'm going to end up telling somebody. Because that's just an overflow. So this is what happened to Martha. She goes back into the house. She looks at Mary. She's like, hey, Jesus wants you. So you better get that attitude fixed. Cause... <laughs> so, so Mary comes out. And this picture is so powerful because she comes out and she drops to her knees. Jesus, if you've been there, my brother wouldn't have died. If you've been there, if, if, if you would have came in time, my brother wouldn't have died. Where were you? That's what I would be asking. Where were you? But what, what Mary doesn't know, maybe she forgot that four days earlier, Four days earlier, God said, this sickness is not unto death. From that very moment, he spoke it. From the very moment he spoke it, it left his mouth, traveled some miles, went through Mary, went through Martha, went through the house, went through Lazarus, and landed in the tomb. The word that God has for you today, it's sitting there waiting for you. See, the word made no sense until the body got in the tomb. Sometimes the word of God doesn't activate until you come to the end of yourself.
The word of God sometimes makes no sense until you're done trying to be God. See, Mary, translated in the Hebrew, means rebellion. We don't often talk about rebellion because we think it's like this crazy thing that you you see and, and it's obvious, oh, that person's living in rebellion. But you know what rebellion is? It's you trying to be God in your situation. Because you know what it does? It flips the divine order around. And all of a sudden, wait a second, God isn't the most high. Maybe I am. Maybe God can't do it. Maybe I can. And the divine order gets mixed up, and now you become this person that's trying to handle all their own life and then the anxiety comes and the depression comes and the fear comes. Why? Because your order's wrong. But when rebellion bent her knee, Jesus looks at her and said, where did you bury him? When you come to the end of yourself and you realize, I can't do it. See, Martha got the revelation, but Mary got the activation. So God already spoke. And everybody forgot that God spoke, but God didn't forget that he spoke because the Bible says in Psalms that his word runs swiftly. And so he spoke there and it went to the tomb and it was just waiting for the body. And so now Jesus walks up to the tomb. He says, take the stone away. How does he have the nerve to say, take the stone away? You know, it's funny, the Bible says that Lazarus is actually buried uh, in a cave. Did you ever go into a cave and yell? Just echoes, echoes, echoes. Hey, 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 hey. You know what happened when the word of God was spoken on verse 4? That it went to the cave and it just echoed around for a while. And even when the body was in there sealed, it was still echoing. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing, and hearing, and hearing. I love what Pastor Nancy said today. Sometimes you just need to keep saying it. I know, I know, I know. And because there's so many other voices, the Bible says that, that Mary had hired these uh, professional mourners. These people in, in this day, they would, they would come help you with the funeral and the burial. And they, they might have been people that were close to the family. We don't really know. But these people would, would crowd around those people that were hurting and they would cry with them. And they would weep with them and, and they, would, they would be there for them. And so here's the picture. Mary's bringing Jesus to the tomb. All the people that are crying and helping her mourn, they follow, the Bible says. Like, oh, Mary's leaving, is she okay? So they follow Mary all the way down to the tomb and Jesus stands there and you can hear nobody there except for Martha and Mary have the faith to believe that Lazarus can come back to life. So you got two. Bible says where two or more are gathered. So there's two. And there's Jesus. And there's all these people mourning with, with doubt, disbelief. They're only there to cry. They're not there to see a miracle. So this, this loud noise is just probably frustrating to Jesus because he's all these people around crying and Mary and Martha and what a scene and the Bible says that Jesus called out in a loud voice why was it loud because it needed to be louder than disbelief it needed to be louder than doubt 
It needed to be louder than insecurity. It needed to be louder than fear. The voice of God is the loudest voice. Now, sometimes it might not be the most clear. And I want to remind you today, if Mary and Martha were in the crowd, they might not have heard the voice of God. So you got to be careful who's speaking to you. Because some people actually don't want you to be free. You got to be careful what, what, what's going into your mind and who's speaking to you. Because some people are actually, they mean well, and they might go to the church. And they might be a Christian. But if they're not giving you faith, and they're not wanting you to be free, then you need to shut them off. Jesus had to say it in a loud voice. Why? Because he needed to establish faith that this is going to happen. And I don't know, maybe Jesus himself was thinking, man, if I fit into this crowd right now, it would be pretty easy to doubt. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And the story goes, Lazarus comes out bound up, you know, walking out like he's been dead. He's been dead for four days. He's been dead. What's crazy is that, that if he's been dead for that long, you know, the body would actually start rotting. But when he spoke in verse 4, the word came and it preserved the body. God has such amazing, beautiful plans for you. They're so amazing. He loves you so much that he can't just let you live in your grave. He just can't let you stay there. So you got to come out. You got to come out of your grave. You got to let the light of God in. Because God's word, it travels outside of time and all the way back in Genesis. He said, let there be light, and boom, the chase of grace happened. Because the Bible has so many promises in it. So many promises. It says, by your stripes we're healed. That's a promise. Now, it might not be there right now, but it will be there at your end point. Your goal is to just keep worshiping, keep being faithful, fill out the connect card, write your prayer request on there, and you just have the faith and the audacity to keep coming back to church. So on Tuesday, you're like, hey, God, I wrote that thing on the prayer card, and, and I'm not feeling like I'm getting healed, but but I got the faith to believe that maybe you can heal me. And and so so then, you know, Tuesday comes around, and you're like, God, I, I don't feel any better, but I wrote that on the prayer card, and I got faith to believe that you can come through in my life because that's what I heard on Sunday. So then Wednesday comes around and you're like, God, I don't feel very good. I can't even lift my hands anymore. I can't even worship you anymore. But what are you going to do? Give up? God's word is so powerful. It's so good. He's so good. Amen. He's so good. Why don't we stand together before I go over time? Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work is faithful to complete it. If God started something in you, it might feel dark. It might feel empty, incomplete, and void. But light is scattered and chasing throughout the whole universe, trying to find every cave, every place to sit in, every place to illuminate. There's not a part of your life that's too dark for God. There's not a part of your life that's too out of control for God. There's not a, light, there's not a part of your life that's too crazy for God. There's not, not a diagnosis. Come on, 
that's too big for God. There's not a relationship that's too broken for God. There's not a marriage too messed up for God. There's not a kid that's too far gone for God. Do you have faith to believe that? God can do miracles and he can do the impossible. God is doing a new thing in our city and I'm glad I get to be a part of it. I'm just gonna get everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. God, you're so good. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Matt, I've, I've never asked Jesus to come into my heart before. I, 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 I don't know Jesus, but, but I want to know him. If that's you, I'm just going to give you an opportunity. I believe that God's real and he's, he's there and he's waiting for you and he has a plan for you. So if you would say, Matt, I want to I know God. I want to make the decision today to know him. I'm just going to get you to raise your hand and just put it right back down. Is there anybody? One, two, see those hands. Three, see that hand. I'm just counting to let you know you're not alone. That's all. Four. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm just going to say it like one line at a time, and then we're all going to repeat it together. Uh, and if you've never done this before, the Bible says that uh, you are saved by grace through faith. And so when you say, God, I believe in you, you're actually saved. Saved is a word we use because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death and sin is just sin is just messing up and not doing God's best. So if you don't do what's best for you, the Bible says that you'll, you won't go to heaven. And so that's why we give you an opportunity to pray. So I'm going to pray and you're going to repeat it after me. Say, dear Jesus... I believe in you. Come into my life and make me new. God, you're so good. From this moment forward, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those people that just decided that they would follow God? I remember... I prayed that prayer when I was 10 years old. I was sitting with my dad in church and we were watching this Christmas, I think it was, or maybe it was an Easter production. And I was like, hey dad, I think I wanna do that. And uh, that was my journey, 10 years old, not knowing anything. Um, but God is so good, he'll meet you just where you're at. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You're not promised tomorrow. You gotta forget about yesterday. Salvation is today, today. We're going to sing a song and then uh, we're going to leave here and party and get coffee and uh, lunch meat and all that fun stuff. But before we, uh, before we sing, I just want to have an opportunity one more time to pray for somebody. If you would say, Matt, it's, it's really dark where I am. I, I, don't, uh, I don't feel like God's in control. I feel like things are a little out of control. I feel like things are a little chaotic. I feel like God has promised me something and I don't think he's going to deliver it. If that's you, I'm just going to get you to, to raise your hand wherever you are. And uh, I, I believe that there's there's an amazing God that can meet your needs. So if you would say, Matt, I, I'm sick of being in the dark. I need to let God in. I, I need some faith. I need, I need some miracles to happen. I'm just going to get you to raise your hand uh, just so people in your row can know. Uh, is there anybody here that would say, Matt, yeah, there's somebody in the back, two people back there. Um, is there anybody else? I'm just going to pray for my hands up. I could use God to fulfill some promises in my own life. Is there anybody else who would say, nobody else? God, we're just going to pray together. God, you're so good. God, you're so faithful. Even when we're not, God, you're so faithful. 
And so God, we hold on to your promises. And we would say, just because it hasn't happened yet, doesn't mean it's not gonna happen. So God, I pray, Lord, that we would have faith. In Jesus' name, God, it's not a matter about how big our faith is, it's about how big our God is. So God, we have faith in you that you can do the impossible. Now God, come into every situation, every bad relationship, every marriage that needs help. God, every financial need, everybody that needs a job, everybody that needs healing. God, I believe in Lord that you're so big, you're so powerful that you can meet us exactly where we are. In Jesus' name, we have faith this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.